to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to see this. Uh, and while you're turning, I'll introduce what we're going to talk about tonight. And then we'll pray one more time that God will speak to us. Sunday morning, I finished up a series called Strengthening Your Spiritual Grip. How many of you remember that? And, and our focus on the last Sunday, last Sunday was uh, getting a firm grip on the purpose of God. Amen. And I, I blatantly confess to you that a large portion of uh, my content last Sunday morning came out of this book. I hold in my hand, once again, uh, the number one bestseller of all time in the history of humanity right there, the Bible. How many of you like that thought? Amen. But also hold in my hand the second bestseller of all time, The Purpose Driven Church. Or, pardon me, The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, Rick's first book was... the. Uh, as far as the, the theme was the purpose-driven church. And since that time, a gazillion copies of this has been, have been sold and distributed around the world. And one of the real reasons I believe for that is everybody has an innate desire to discover the purpose that they were created for. And so I think that that's indicative of, of, uh, of where we as God's people need to be, getting a firm grasp on God's purpose for our life. Uh, and so last Sunday, I gave you kind of an overview of, a, of a, kind of the, uh, a few things from there. And I promise that, this, that, that tonight and then the next four Wednesday nights, we're going to be looking at, at what Pastor, Pastor Rick calls the five purposes that we were all created to accomplish in life. He's identified five areas, and I'll share those with you in just a moment. So, so in the month of February, Wednesday night, we're going to be going through these five purposes. And I would encourage you. How many of you ever read The Purpose Driven Life? Okay. Jen, I promised you that I would find you a copy, and I never did. So uh, I, got, I found one. And there's seven. Somebody told me there's $7 at the bookstore. Uh, so everybody ought to get one. It's a great devotional. Today Is today the first? I'm telling you, it's just 40 days. And, and, and I, I said this Sunday, you could just take this book, open it up anywhere, any chapter, and start reading and go, ooh, man, that's good. I, I, simple, uh, enlightening, uh, all kinds of scriptures from all different uh, paraphrases and translations, just packed. Everyone say packed. Just packed with great truth about discovering God's purpose for your life. And so... Uh, with that in mind, let's pray today as I begin to introduce to you these five purposes. Father, we come to you tonight and we just agree together that you again would keep us focused on your, your kingdom purpose for our life. And Father, you would help us this year begin to click into uh, our God-ordained, predetermined purpose that you've created us for in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to read it in two, two, uh, uh, two versions. The first is New King James. Paul said this. I think I read it Sunday. In him also we have obtained. Everyone say obtained. Now, now I love it when Paul says we already have something. I, I'm appreciative of the promises of God. Amen? How many of you are appreciative that, that God gives us a promise of things future? You know, I... You know, and so you look to the future for things. But here, Paul said, here's some things we already have. He said, we have obtained in him, in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. You see the preacher's coming out in me, and I'm just trying to read a verse here. In Christ also we have obtained. We have, not will. We have obtained an inheritance. And everybody know what an inheritance is? Amen. We have an inheritance from Christ. God, we have a, a heavenly inheritance. Look what it says. Being predestined 
according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now that verse is power packed for all of us. He works all things together according to his predetermined purpose. Now, I say this all the time when I say the word predestined because some people get a little nervous about predestination and the doctrine of predestination basically without going off deep into it, a kind of out the left field, in my perspective, the left field is it's all already written out, uh, who's going to be saved and who's not and there's nothing you can do about it uh, kind of thing. It's, it, you know, I don't really go down that road at all. I do believe this. I do believe in predestination, that God has a predetermined plan for our life, but that does not guarantee our safe arrival. Amen? Aren't you glad that you're not predetermined to go to hell? I said, aren't you? Boy, if I was you, I'd have said a little better amen than that. Aren't you glad that it's not predetermined for you to go to hell? Amen. You've got a choice. If you go to hell, it's because you chose to go there. And so, so God says, or, or, or pardon me, Paul says about us that God has a predetermined uh, a destiny and it's according to the purpose of him, Jesus' purpose. And I began last Sunday talking to you about we, most people ask all the wrong questions. What do I want to do when I grow up? What do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And that's really not the questions we ask, the questions we ought to be asking because God created us. We're his creation. We ought to be asking, what in the world does he want me to do in life? What's his will for my life? Amen? And so uh, that's a powerful verse. Uh, I love, mm, I'm not even sure what paraphrase this is, but let me read this verse again to you. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. Amen. So I just want you to know you're created by God with a purpose. And now, Here's the five purposes. I'm going to outline them for you, and we're going to talk about the first one just simply tonight. Uh, the first one is, as we'll learn tonight, we're created by God to bring him pleasure, or we're created to worship him. Amen? We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then next week on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the second purpose from the purpose-driven life. And I really be believe from the, from the Bible, everything here is biblical. We're created for fellowship and relationship, not only with God, but with one another. In fact, I love one of the living Bible, I think this is a Colossians verse. I just remember it. It says, well, you belong in God's house with every other Christian. And so it's really true. God created a family. He created a body. He didn't create a bunch of little independent automatons who all do their own thing. We're the family. We're the body. We're the, we're the fellowship, the house. And so, uh, and so we're created to interact with one another. How many of you appreciate the fact that God didn't create you and leave you on a desert island all by yourself? Amen. Why? We're created by God for relationship. Number three, as we'll learn, not this next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after, we're created to grow spiritually and become like Christ. That is discipleship. God's called us to be like him. And so we've got to grow spiritually and be more and more like Christ. We'll talk about that. And then the fourth one is we're created by God to serve, be servants in, 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 in the world we live in. Amen. I know that may not be very popular to some, uh, but uh, hey, Jesus came to serve uh, not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And so we'll talk about that. And then the last one is we're created uh, to influence or we're made, as, as Brother Rick says, we're made with a mission. And this, this 
this uh, purpose has to do with reaching the world that God has placed us in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've got some great news about that. Uh, where's Trent? Trent? Oh, Trent went upstairs with the youth tonight. Trent will actually be teaching that class. Uh, his first time to uh, fill in for me. I'm really excited. I will be on my way to a pastor's missions conference with my wife in uh, Uh, northern Arkansas somewhere, so I've got to miss, but Trent's going to close out this February with this, we're called and created by God to influence. And so there's where we're going on Wednesday night uh, uh, in the month of February. You have an opportunity, if you'll plug in and get involved, to really get a grasp on the purposes of God for your life. And again, I would encourage you, go find this book. You can read, you know, if you buy it tomorrow, uh, you read two chapters and you are in tune, okay? Uh, And and you're ready to go. It really will help you. So I encourage you to do that. With that in mind, let's jump in. Let's talk briefly about this first purpose. And hopefully tonight I can just spark you with a a few thoughts to help you really begin to understand uh, what it means and and the reality that God created us for his pleasure and to worship him. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and it's it's discussion time for a moment. You can actually talk here for a few minutes. Uh, What do you think of when you think of the word worship? When I just throw out worship, you know, it's kind of like one of those immediate reaction. What do you think of worship? Somebody help me here. What do you think of? Pardon me? Pardon me? Singing. Singing. Something else. Praise. Praise. Thanking God. Anybody else? Worship. Adore Him. Any other thoughts? Those are all good thoughts. In fact, some of the very words uh, that are used in the Greek and the Hebrew have to do with some of those actual things. But here's what I want you to understand today when you come to realize uh, uh, that, uh, hey, we're created by God to worship. You know, some people don't sing very well, do they? Have you ever watched American Idol? They put some of the people on there. They just can't do it, and they do it, so we all laugh at them, make fun of them. Well, if they can't sing, well, I guess they can't worship. Not true. One of the good things, by the way, is if, if you're a... Uh, if you're not blessed with a great voice, somehow by the time it gets to heaven, it turns into a a sweet-smelling savor to God. So he doesn't mind if you just belt it out. But there's so much more. Everyone take your hands like this. Come on, everybody go. There's so much more. There's so much more to worship than that. Look in your Bible to John 4 where Jesus says something very interesting about uh, what he's looking for. How many of you know God's looking for some things? Amen. Jesus is looking for some things. John 4, verse 23, I believe it is. I hope I'm right. Yes. Uh, Verse 23, he says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, everyone say true worshipers. In other words, there's people who go about some kind of religion. This is Pastor Sam's paraphrase. There's some people that are not really valid worshipers, but he's looking for true worshipers. He's not looking for religion. Uh, He's not looking for function. He's looking for something that he called true worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Everyone say in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I don't want to delve off into this too much. I want you to really kind of get a grip on this thought, true worshipers. And tonight, I just want to show you some thoughts about what I believe the Bible says about true worship. What is it? 
It's singing or it's, it's praising and all of that is true. But let me open up your mind a little bit to this thought and I believe it's true from a biblical standpoint and you can write this down. True worship is anything we do that brings God pleasure. Anything we do that the Father looks down upon us and smiles. It might be singing. It might be dancing. It might be lifting our hands. It might be kneeling in prayer. But there's so much more to worship than a song service. And most people, when you say the word worship, in fact, we, use the, we misuse the word somewhat to define, uh, you know, for example, I've had people tell me, and I understand what they mean, and, and I've done this before. Oh, pastor, the worship was great this morning. Or conversely, I didn't get much out of the worship today. But how many of you know, even those two perspectives miss the whole point of worship? What did I just tell you? Worship is about bringing God pleasure. But we as little kind of finite, you know, simpletons, and I'm, I'm right in there, somehow we've thought that worship is all about us. Ooh, pastor, I really enjoyed worship today. Woohoo, man. In other words, I experienced God. It was great for me. I had a blessing. God blessed me. But how many of you know, that's not the true nature of a worshiper. And so when we're looking to be worshipers and plug into what God created us to be and the fact that God is seeking. In fact, a little side note, you want to do a little Bible study? Look, uh, look, start searching out the things that God is looking for and seeking in people. And there's not a whole lot that yeah, you can you know, write down, but one of them is he's seeking such to worship him, to bring him pleasure. How many of you know he created us? I think of uh, uh, my grandson's. You know, it's too far to remember back when my kids were small. I think I was a little limited in my capacity to understand parenthood. But I'm more in tune with father, with grandfatherhood. And I'm telling you, you know, little Ty, he's, he was, and I came by my house today. We had a blast. We rascaled. We call it rascaling. Uh, it's wrestling, but we rascal. Uh, and we do that. We do a couple of things. I just love that. But even when he's not good, being a good boy, he still brings me pleasure. And when he's just sometimes sleeping or when he's just sitting there eating his pancake or help, he brings me pleasure. And how many of you know that's what God wants to work within us, that the actions of our life bring God pleasure? A little whole little Josiah, and, uh, you, know, he just, uh, you know, he just so helpless without his parents. And, but you hold him, man, just holding him and seeing him, it brings pleasure. That's, that's what I want you to catch tonight, that, uh, that, that worship has to do with bringing God pleasure. Whatever we do, that brings him pleasure. And worship is a multifaceted diamond, if you will, of our actions and attitudes that are all lumped together to cause God to be blessed by our life. Yes, it includes singing together. Yes, it includes praying. Yes, it includes worship. Uh, but understand, in fact, some people, you know, have these two phrases. Well, we got the praise songs and the worship songs. How many of you know uh, that if it's all, if, if, it's, if it's songs about Jesus and loving him, they're all worship. Amen? 
It doesn't matter if you're clapping or kneeling. Amen. So, amen. It, it's true worship is anything we do that brings pleasure to God. Let me show you some verses. How many of you want to look up a few verses? Okay, here we go. Psalms 149. How many of you know David and the Psalms, uh, Psalms have some great worship and, uh, and, and attributes of, of what it means to worship and please and bring pleasure to God. Psalms 149 verses 1 through 4 uh, says this, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. So there you go. Praise has to do with plugging in with the family of God and singing. And it says, let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them dance. Let them praise him with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the harp. So yeah, all those things are valid. But look in verse four, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the humble with salvation. See there in verse 4, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who bring him pleasure. Are you with me? Say amen. Revelation 4.11 says this, You created everything, speaking of God, you created everything. And it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to look at somebody next to you and tell them, You were created to bring pleasure to God. Tell somebody. You were created. Nobody around you say, I was created to bring pleasure to God. That's what he did. And you're much more than a song service, my friend. Uh, You need to understand that. Uh, You're much more than a song service. Hallelujah. I love Psalm 37, 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, that is God, delights in their way. One translation says, the the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he that is God delights in every detail of their lives. In other words, a life that is spent bringing great pleasure to God. Amen. So you get that idea? Worship is more than a song service. It's much more than your devotional time in the morning. Even though that's all worship, it is an attitude in the acts of our life that are designed and and planned to bring God pleasure. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in their way. And so, you know, when you just think of of, of your life and you you live a life, I want to be a good man. I want to honor God with my life. I want to be a good woman. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband. I want to serve God. I want to please God. It says your steps in your life, they bring God pleasure. He delights in every detail of your life. Man, I'm excited about it. How about you, Jan? You catching it? Awesome, good. All right, here we go. Now, the second thought I want to share with you about true worship, and I've kind of hit on it, true worship really is a lifestyle. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way of living. And when we get, catch that, then I want to live my life to bring him pleasure. It's not, it, it's, it, it's just a way of life. And I love what David said in Psalm 34, 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In other words, my life is going to be a praise and an honor and a glory to God. How many of you, before you gave your life to Christ, and, and I hope not to, to now, but, but uh, before you gave your life to Christ, some of the first words you said when you got up in the morning were not always the best things you, you, you could think of. There's something in your heart just, oh, 
Some of you get up in the morning, you go, good Lord, it's morning. Well, we need to come to the place where we say, good morning, Lord. It's a whole different perspective. I'm here to serve you. I want my life to be a pleasure to you. It is a lifestyle. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn back way over. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul the apostle says this about our lifestyle and and what we do and how we ought to live. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says this. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. I love that. Whatever you do, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's the... That's the mindset of a worshiper, that with everything I do, you can bring glory to God. I love what Martin Luther said, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. Amen? In other words, the act, some people think, and this is the way some people think, God's not really pleased with me until I'm I'm doing spiritual things. Now, if I'm reading my Bible, oh, he's blessed with that. But, you know, mowing the yard, uh, it doesn't matter to God. It's not true. You can mow the yard to the glory of God. You can serve in the nursery to the glory of God. You can work like a dairymaid, can milk cows to the glory of God. One of my first jobs was Owens Corning fiberglass. Anybody ever had building insulation all over you? I used to live in it and walk in it up to my neck every day for eight hours a day. And one of my first jobs was picking wet spots. Uh, And let me tell you, that's not a glorious job. You got a long metal rod and as this building insulation's come, and out of the, it's just been sprayed. It has little wet, gooey spots that they didn't want. And, and back then, they may have fixed this now, they had two really sharp guys like me with big metal rods and a little hook going, oh, there's a wet spot. Well, that has vision and destiny all over it, doesn't it? And the, and the, and the sounds just rah, 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 picking wet spots. I grumbled a while, but then one day I realized, hey, I need to do this to the glory of God. Walling around and building insulation. And then one day while I was picking wet spots, a guy crossed the way from me. I, we, I literally had to holler back and forth to each other because we're picking wet spots and it's just so loud. I led him to Christ across the way while we're picking wet spots and he became a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, whoo, you can pick wet spots to the glory of God. Now, what if I'd have been grumbling and mumbling and complaining and didn't realize that my life needs to, whatever I do needs to bring glory to God. Amen. It changes things. And so, hey, it's true. Uh, anybody ever seen? Da, 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 da. What is it? Chariots of fire. Bum, 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 bum. Any of you younger people don't know what I'm talking about? You need to go watch chariots. You've never seen chariots. Ray. Mac. Just slap him on the head there. He, he's, too old, uh, he's too old not to have seen Chariots of Fire. You've got to see Chariots of Fire. Uh, Eric, uh, and, and this may not work, but uh, this uh, Eric Little, who was uh, one of the key characters, he said this, he, he, and, he was, and his, his gift was running. And he said this in the movie, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I like that. He's just running. But he said, hey, he, I believe I have a purpose, but he made me fast. And when I run, 
I feel his pleasure on my life. You know, I can just see God up there going, yeah, look at him. Hey, look at him go. I can go. Woo, go, Eric, go. Amen. Romans 12, 1, if you want to turn there. The message. I love the message. And, and if you want to, you know, just a side note, there's, there's translations of the Bible, meaning gone to the original and to the best of their ability, translated the language into King James Version is a translation, okay? But the message is a paraphrase. In other words, the, the per, people who put these, the paraphrase together, they get what they believe is the idea of the verse and they put it in modern day language so you and I might can understand the overall idea. Paraphrase is good to just help us with that. You can't use it to study too much because you, you may or may not, you got to stay close to the original language in order to, to, uh, to, to do your best, but you use both. And here's, I love the paraphrase of Romans 12, 1 uh, uh, from the... From the message, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday life, your, pardon me, your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love that. In other words, everyday life, you give it to him as an offering. Every day. I offer myself and my day as an offering unto you. I want it to be pleasing unto you. So, uh, hey, everybody, true worship is anything that brings God pleasure. True worship is a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday morning song service. It's not a special worship night at the church. It's a lifestyle, okay? Number three, true worship is a matter of the heart. It's something that comes from the heart. Anybody ever heard Matt Redmond's song about the heart of worship? I dare not try to sing it. I'm, I'm tempted to. I'm, okay, I won't. I promise. I saw Mitt Romney try to sing on the news tonight. Anybody see that? He kind of, he didn't do so good. Our president sings pretty good, but Mitt Romney, he, he didn't sing so good. He needs to keep his day job. Matt Redman, he wrote a song called The Heart of Worship. Here's a verse and then a line. It says, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And then he said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Hey, the anointing hit me. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Now, he hit on it. It's all about you. Remember the first line of this book? It's not about you. And believe you me, worship is not about you. People come or don't come to church based upon whether or not worship scratches their itch. It's not about us. The tr- it's, a, it's an attitude of the heart. Now, how did Matt write that song? Where did he get that? Here's the story behind the song. His pastor began to realize, man, we're losing the understand. You know, some people worship their worship. Woo, man, you need to come to church. We got great worship. Woo, man, our worship leader, he is the bomb.com. Woo, we worship our worship. It's not about us. Right? And 
Matt Redmond's pastor began to see this big picture. And so what he did, you know what he did? He banned music and singing from the church for a season. We're shutting it down. Not forever, but until we get to the real heart of worship. Because it's not about charismatic show. It's about what's in our hearts. And in all that process, Matt began to process this. And lo and behold, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Because it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. That's what worship is all about. It's all about Him. Amen. So it's a heart issue. And if not tonight, nothing else, that's what we need to embrace in our hearts about the fact that, hey, worship is anything that brings God pleasure. It has nothing to do with bringing us pleasure. It has everything to do with bringing him pleasure. And we've got to develop a lifestyle that does that, that incorporates being pleasing to God. And, and oh, you know, this book will kind of help you plug into all those kinds of things. Uh, but, it'll, but we also need to say, God, let my heart begin to be purified in, the, in this arena of understanding. But I just want to bring pleasure to you. It's not about me. Amen. The true heart of worship. And here's, here's a word that scares people. The, the, heart, the heart of worship is really a word that some people don't like. It's a word called surrender. Everyone say surrender. That's a kind of bummer word because it kind of brings a defeat. You know, I got to surrender. I'm defeated. You know, oh, you had to surrender. No, no, no. But hey, when it comes to Jesus, comes to God, that's what worship is. I surrender to your will. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm giving it over to you. And, and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to yield my life to you. And that's my heart because it's all about you. It's not about me. Amen. I love Romans 12.1 and another paraphrase it says this, uh, it says, so then my friends, because of, oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a little insight about this verse. So then my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, this is Romans 12, 1 again, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. In other words, our life as a sacrifice surrendered to God. This is where worship is, this is what worship is all about. Now, Think of the book of Romans, and we're not going to go through the whole book of Romans. We did that last year. But the first 10 uh, and really 11 chapters of Romans, he's hammering us about the grace of God in our life. He's bringing this revelation that, hey, it's no longer by works. It's by the grace of God. Somebody thank God for his mercy and grace. Amen. We, we're born again not because of, of doing good works. You can't get to heaven doing good works. It's his grace. We've been justified by his grace, but just as if we'd never sinned. And he's getting that truth over and over 
over to us in Romans, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Uh, you know, the just shall live by faith in his name. We get it over and over. And then after all of that uh, really, you know, doctrinal transition in our mind to get us out of legalism and get us into grace and get us into his mercy and get us moving down the theme of what the gospel is all about. Woo, man, uh, it's by faith and uh, through his grace that I'm born again. Oh, man, thank you, Jesus. I don't earn my way to heaven. Then he, got, then he says, oh, let me just tell you this. Therefore, guys, let me tell you something. Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Revelation, uh, pardon me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. That's the true heart of worship, surrendering ourselves to him. Amen. True worship is anything that brings pleasure to God. If you got it, smile and nod. True worship is a lifestyle. It's not just a song service. It's a life, a way of living. Man, what would change in our lives if we would adjust our world that everything I do, I just want to please God. I want to please me. I want to please God. True worship is a matter of the heart. A total surrender to him. And here's number four. True worship is a relationship. It's not a, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. That's what you and I need to embrace. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 in the New Living Translation says this, the first part. It says, we've been restored to friendship with God by the death of his son. Everyone say this after me. We've been restored to friendship with God by the death of his son. Thank God for the cross. Because it brought us back into relationship with God. Friendship with God. Turn to John chapter 15. I want to show you this verse. John 15. I encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you've got it on your phone, you can look it up on your phone. In fact, I would encourage everybody who has a smartphone, download the Bible. It's a great tool and a resource uh, in your life. Uh, right there on your on your phone. John 15, 15. Look what Jesus said. It's written in red. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you what? Friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is calling us his friend. In fact, one path, I think, is it Proverbs? We have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And worship is a relationship with God. It's not a religious duty. It's not a methodology of just serving the, the, the Lord uh, that is in authority over us. Uh, you know, he is an authority over us. He is, as we learn, king of kings and lord of lords. But he is also our friend. And as Paul said, we've been restored to friendship with God because of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So our relationship with God uh, and our worship to God is a relationship. True worship is a relationship. In spirit and in truth. 
in a spiritual sense, but in a reality sense, in my daily life, not just in the spiritual moments of my life. How many of you know, uh, we have a couple of new, a few newlyweds here, and I, they're still pretty newlyweds. They still act like they love each other and everything, but, uh, you know, that's cool. Uh, but I learned something, you know, pretty, pretty quick into my uh, young married life that, you know, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling kind of wears off pretty quick. And it gets down to daily living. You know, I kind of joke, I, I don't wake up every morning with this warm, fuzzy feeling, look over my wife and say, I love you, baby. Doesn't mean I don't love her. That's, it's the spirit and the truth. I mean, so just in life. Hey, it's a, it's a lifelong relationship. Amen? Let me give you some things, just some thoughts about your life as a worshiper that can help your friendship with God grow stronger day by day. Just let me give you some simple thoughts. The first one is this, a consistent desire. Everyone say consistent desire. You know, it's so important for us to fan the flames of passion in our life for him. Because how many of you know there's 101 things in this world trying to snuff the flame of God out in our life? Just from a marriage standpoint, there's, a, there's the pressures of life. There's the things of life that try to, you know, the busyness of life that if we're not careful, uh, we'll lose the, the flame of, of, of passion for our spouse back and forth. It's the same way with God. And so we've got to do what we can do. If we want to keep our friendship with God close, if we want to, in fact, James said, draw, God said, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. If we want to daily draw close to God and, and keep our friendship with him uh, in a uh, growing stronger day by day, we've got to keep the flames of desire burning in our heart for him every day. Look what, look in Psalm 27, one of my favorite Psalms, what David said concerning his relationship with God. Uh, and man, there's a lot here. He, the first verse one, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, when the wicked came upon me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, in this I will be confident. I'll stop right there. In other words, he keeps uh, in his mind, all the attributes and benefits of his relationship with God intact. He just, he's declaring, he's my light. He's my salvation. He's my, the strength of my life. And because of him, he keeps that, that, those attributes of God ever before him and the benefits of his relationship with God ever before him. He said, in this I will be confident. And then verse four, one thing I have desired of the Lord not 10 things. He's melted it down to one thing because of his understanding of who Jesus is, who God is in his life. And, and he's the Lord. He's my strength. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's, my, he's the one who uh, uh, keeps me from uh, fearing my enemies. He said, I, I've, I've melted my desires down to one thing and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He's talking about relationship. For in the time of trouble, 
He will hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He will hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, here we go. I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. He said, well, I got down. I got one desire burning within me. And that's to be in his presence. Amen. So, hey, how do we keep this friendship with God growing stronger day by day? Maintaining a consistent desire for him. And if other things come in and begin to water down your desire after the things of God, you need to rethink what you're allowing, the input that's coming into your life. And, and, and get it to the more, wouldn't that be great if, it's, if we come to God and it's not ten things we desire of the Lord? It's just one thing. I just want to be with you. Most of us, when we come to God every day in our prayer, our devotional time. Lord, I love you. I praise you. Now, let's get down to business. I got this issue, that issue, this problem, that problem. And it's all business. How many of you know God will take care of our business if we'll just build our relationship with him and be what he wants us to be? Just worshipers. Amen. Consistent desire. The second thing, constant conversation. Interaction. How many of you know communication is key to relationship? In any husband-wife relationship, if the communication shuts down, oh, something's being communicated, but it's not good things. Communication is key to the building of relationship. And, And you know what? Most people, when they think about prayer, what they think about, my morning devo time. When I go through the Lord's Prayer and I, I, I do my religious duties and all those things are good and I, I get on my knees and, and, I, and I seek God for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or, or you know, we had corporate prayer. Those are, those are when we communicate with God. But how many of you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody, uh, you can communicate, especially from a spiritual standpoint with God, you can communicate with Him all the time. And when we think of prayer, we think of, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You know, uh, you know, bless this food. Oh, Lord, we pray. Keep us safe by night and day. Those are prayers. But, uh, but how many of you know a relationship with God? You can be in communication with him all the time. In fact, this verse used to kind of rattle me a little bit. Second Thessalonians five seventeen. If you go there, Paul's given little one liners about things we need to do, and one of the one liners, verse seventeen, pray without ceasing. Everyone say pray without ceasing. That used to kind of undermine me because my mindset, my concept of prayer was like I defined to you. Lord, I thank you for this day. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I'm seeking you today. Those are all things. But how many of you know you can be in communication with God without sounding religious at all? Amen? In fact, you know, I've been doing this a while. And most of the time when I wake up in the morning, it's in an attitude of prayer. Good morning, Lord. Here I am. Once the fog clears, he's right there. And that's what we need to maintain our life. So, hey, you want to build your friendship with God because worship is a relationship. You build your friendship with God by consistent desire, constant conversation. And here's one more. It's certainly attuned to it, but continual meditation. Pondering thinking. 
about the things of God and the word of God in our life. Filling our mind with that which is good, holy, and acceptable. Continual meditation. It's like David understood this back, if you go back to Psalm 27, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I feed? He'd been meditating on that. He'd been, he'd been digesting that. And, of course, one of the, the best psalms there is concerning this, this mindset of just being a meditator. You know, when you say the word meditation, some people have a picture of, a, of, of you in a white robe with your knees up around your, your ears uh, going, oh, you know, or I'm going to meditate on the law of the Lord, you know, oh, that's not meditation. That's somebody calls it meditation. Meditation is really pondering, thinking, really even digesting the things of God in your life. Look what David said in Psalm 1. I love it. He said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or the word of the Lord, And in his law, he meditates, what? Day and night. Everyone say day and night. I'm telling you, there's therapy here. There's relationship here in this this truth. There's relationship. When you start meditating on the law of the Lord day and night, it says you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. Look in verse 6, the first part. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Remember what I said in another verse, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. And David said, hey, if you'll meditate on the law of the Lord, in his law you meditate day and night, you'll begin to obtain strength and stability and productivity and prosperity. Why? Because of relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Everyone say constant desire. uh, 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 Pardon me, I I mixed the words up. Consistent desire, constant conversation, continual meditation. And you get up in the morning, you get up in the day, uh, you just find some things to meditate on, some things to chew on. Hey, do Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, that's power-packed stuff right there. Paul, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start meditating on the law of the Lord, the word of God, you're going to, because it's his word, you're going to get to know him better through knowing his word. There's a lot more I could say, just scratching the surface. But understand something. We've been created by God to bring him pleasure, to worship him with our life. Amen. So this week, I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about that. I want you to ponder that and, and just embrace this, re- this reality. One of the purposes of my life, beyond what I do to make a living, you know, some people, I was talking to Jen, she's uh, doing her student teaching. I said, well, is it something that's living on the inside of you? Like, oh, yeah, I love it, I love it. Uh, you know, and, and you know what? God may have something special for her to minister to kids through, through the public school system. That's great. But her real primary purpose 
beyond how she makes a living is to bring pleasure to God. And she can do that teaching kids. But her primary purpose is not teaching kids. It's bringing pleasure to God. Amen. You got it? Amen. So let's stand together tonight. Let's embrace this truth.